Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 285, recorded at Big Doc Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by TheRealHerbMarket.com. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an online store that sold herbals from verified herbalists making crafted herbal products? Now there is. TheRealHerbMarket.com. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Eastern European herbalism. What a niche. <laughs> you know, um, it was really interesting to talk with them about, you know, uh, cultures that, you know, were just that whole idea just being eliminated and it just brought back all of those, you know, this horror story, this historical things through all the different times. Yeah. I, it, for me, it really touched an area that has been aching for me or aching in me for a long time. And that's, you know, I'm an American, which means what exactly? You know, we, America doesn't have an herbal culture or herbal tradition. Parts of America do, you know, like the Native Americans have that. And, yeah, I mean, there's and, some, you know, people that are of different descents, you know, people from India have that are American now or are American, fully American, but they have a cultural history that brought Ayurveda here. But I'm a white girl. Ayurveda isn't technically my own cultural history, nor is it that of America, because yeah. America is such a melting pot. Well, that's that's fair, but I would you also know? say that there are some areas. Um, I mean, you know, Phyllis Delight was somebody that kind of illustrated the fact that there was in there their are. in their areas, yeah. and it seemed to me like you know whether it was her or other people, it, it has to do with a lot of um, well poverty. To be in an area yeah. where you're not, you don't have access to all this, but grandma knows right. and she passes it down and, yeah. and everybody knows because whatever, or there's a, there's a healer, if you will, in the, in the town that everybody knows. Right. Because they well, can't afford the doctor. I mean, you know? up in the North, not so much. You didn't have that. In the South, they could do that. Somehow Southern culture allowed for that, you know, allowed Phyllis and her family and the other healers of Southern folk medicine Sure. To be, to exist. Yeah, I, I, I the can't. The North drove that out. Well, I can't say <laughs> that, that you know, I knew anybody in in my hometown that did it. But, I no. mean, that's not to say that they weren't there. No. And I know that some of those practices were there. I know that some, like my Babsha, was kind of, you know, shamed a little bit by some of the younger generations for her superstitious ways, which now I'm like looking at the little wisps that I heard of that. Like, oh, those were Eastern European practices that were probably very common and normal where she grew up because she grew up in Poland. Right. So, you know, and a lot of the older generation had some of those practices and there was a big thing about how you should, and there was a lot of shaming that happened during the time when they, my, you know, older relatives moved to this country. So there was a lot of loss of those cultural practices and the healing practices that went with them. And there were some things like, you know, you, you put a lot of garlic in your pickles. You make pickles on a counter. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. You add garlic, you add dill, you put caraway in your sauerkraut and you make that on the counter also. Right. These are just normal ways of living. They weren't considered an herbal practice. No. Even though they are. They yeah. are. I mean, you know, people who are of, of, you know, Ayurvedic descent probably don't think twice about just, you know, taking trifle every day. It's just normal. So what you do, 
chai is just normal. It's a normal drink. It's not a medicinal thing. I mean, it's got its meta, you know. Yeah. But it was just part of their culture. But because we here in America honor and respect Ayurveda, we know that chai has all these healing properties. It's good for your digestion and all that stuff. It's a medical thing too. It's an herbalist thing. Um, fermented sauerkraut with caraway in it has those things, but that was never something that hasn't been something that's been like, oh, wow, this is, you know, big thing in herbalism because it's from Eastern Europe. Right. It's just from a less popular area of, of <laughs> traditional practice. You know? Right, right. So that's an area that in myself has ached because I've felt like I've learned so much and I am so thankful for the the many people who have taught me things about Ayurveda, traditional Western herbalism, you know, Chinese medicine and herbal practice, Unami Tib, or Unani Tib, I always say that wrong. All of those different Native American practices. I mean, there's so many practices that I'm thankful to have learned, and I'm grateful that I have that knowledge. But there's always been that ache where I don't have the knowledge of my own people. I have the knowledge of America, which means I have a lot of knowledge that comes from many cultures. But I don't have the knowledge of my actual people because that's lost mm -hmm. to me. And I suppose, I mean, I could go and learn Polish and move to Poland or start studying Polish herbals because I'm sure that the Polish people have those practices and, and know some of that, maybe a lot more than I realize. It's just not popular here in America. Right. And it's right. not easy for me to get. It is easy for me to find a good book on traditional Western herbalism and what the Celts did. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. really easy to find. Mm -hmm. So... Ashkenazi herbalism was a book that, even though my family isn't necessarily Ashkenazi, you know, we mm -hmm. don't come from that, the Jewish part of that tradition, right. but we do come from the region. And there were many things in there that, you know, just, it resonated. As you're reading it, you yeah. were like, oh, wow. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that resonated that you can, like an idea that can come out that you, that you thought of? It was more... A feeling of just reading about like the the babas that she talked about and the you know the midwives that had the children helped people bird their children and then those children were all like their grandchildren these giant i mean essentially it's a giant family mm -hmm. it's a family approach to community that's something that I cannot say that I've personally experienced, nor have I heard relatives talking about that. But yet it felt like home when I was reading it. Like, wow, I I know this somehow. It's like my bones know it. Right. Even though I don't. But I'm remembering some of the wisdom that's in my bones in reading okay. it. So it's Yeah, no, I, I understand. It's a strange it's and challenging to even talk about what exactly the experience was for me. And I'm not sure that, you know, everyone's gonna have that experience when they read this book. Well, <laughs> you know, no, but, no, no. That, but you know, but you know, it's it's like uh, finding yourself like you know. We watched a show recently, and I would just everything in the show resonated with me. I mean, every the the architecture, the art, the culture, everything. I was like, oh yeah, this is. I, I mean, I don't know why, but this is you know my my, my jam, and I, I really never really worked into it before. Looked yeah, it into was it the the show that was um, 
based in Norway. Yeah, it was. Well, it was. A, it was, was uh, it Ragnarok on on um, Netflix, and and it, yeah. it, so there was that show. But then even before that was the 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 History Channel show, The Vikings or Vikings. Yeah. You know, I'm not a warrior. I'm not a Viking warrior, but. It just the art, the the knots, the resonation, yeah. the, just that idea. Just it was like not unforeign to me, and right? Yeah, I could understand it very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And and I I would venture to guess that maybe in your reading it was the same thing for you. It was. It uh, was the same thing where it just it touched an area of me that I know sort of. Right. It was an aching part, and it was like balm for an aching part of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It, 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 yeah, and it, and it, there's a comfort there. Um, and you say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not alone." <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I appreciate. I mean, I have very much appreciated. There have been times where I'm reading, let's say it's a book on Chinese herbal medicine, and I'm reading, you know, like especially when I was first reading it, reading at the very beginning and learning about like the five element theory and the various different theories and understanding those underpinnings. A lot of times the the language that I was reading then, I would understand it as if I already knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily because that's my background or anything like that. It's just that they were touching the way they used language to touch on concepts. It was like, oh, that concept, finally, there's a ling- finally I can, finally that concept I've known but I didn't know how to language it. Now there's a language and I now understand. I can I can talk about it. I can verbalize more. So it was mm-hmm. a comfort. It was a more like connecting with herbalism and the concepts of herbalism through a much more airy kind of place. Reading Ashkenazi herbalism, she was, they were just talking about the history. You know, right. they, they were not giving practices of how to use herbs or anything like that, or even talking about the, the theories that the people then use. They were just talking, saying, this is what these people did, and this is how the different people that practiced herbalism in this, these communities functioned. Yeah. Uh, but that was more like coming at it from the earth element, from this deep bone place that it's like it's a rock. It's always been there. I just didn't know what was there because I hadn't been looking in that direction. Right. And it was a direction that I needed to look in. Mm -hmm. So I think it's understanding the history of how things were done in various areas of the world is really important to practicing good herbalism today. Well, right. We're not unique. I mean, we're not, um, you know, we, we can launch off the shoulders of of yeah. the past versus saying it's all new because it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not. You know, they may have different words for it. Um, you know, different areas have different yeah. herbs that they're using. But you know, at the end of the day, there's a discipline and a, and a knowledge base that they brought into it that every herbalist, you know, from Mar- Rosemary Gladstar to 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 you to to anybody now, yeah, you know, is really launching off from these from these um these past people that, you know, kept bringing it down, bringing it down, bringing it down. And that, that, that is the hard part that we, we talk about that um, many of the, you know, as you were speaking about um, the past and connection, I kept thinking, you know, the, the, the moment in the, in the um, 20th century that really defined that um, change from um, culturally passing things down, especially in the U S 
uh, even in in in, the, in Eastern Europe, you know, was World War Two. Yeah. And the fifties and that whole, you know, everyone's back and we're going to embrace technology. We're going to embrace, you know, yeah. all of the things that they did in the war, like Chef Boyardee was, was yeah. food from the war. Well, that's the fifties food now. Yeah. You know, canning yeah. and freezing items and preserving in that way that you just go to the grocery store now. Yeah. So all of these modern women, huge shift. there was yeah. a huge shift of, we don't want to do what our, 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 our parents did in the thirties. Yeah, it was a giant you know, rejection of, of, of heritage, culture, and previous generations. Right. We're, we're the new, we're the new movement, and that's what we're going to do, and, yeah. and that's what they did. And you know, I, I mean, I remember my mom eschewing all of that. I mean, my mom is not; she's sixty-five. She's not like, you know, a boomer. She's right. beyond, she's yeah. beyond, just beyond boomer. And but she eschews, she eschewed everything that she was taught when she was a young woman because she didn't want that. She associated that. With poverty, suffering, with low class, pain. with suffering, all that stuff. She's like, yeah. I'm not canning. I'm not freezing. I'm not doing jams. I'm not doing any of that. Even yeah. though she had the knowledge and she did it and she knew all about it. Yeah. She just chose, you know what? I'm going to go buy it because I don't want to do it. Yeah. You know? And I think in that case, she wasn't alone. There's so no, many was, people that decided was, to do that. Yeah. And we lost many things. I think um, – your mom and dad, I, I believe, were born in the 40s. So they weren't yeah. – they they were just before the big baby boom. Yeah. Right? So uh, your mom still – and your dad, you, they had their garden. They did the mm -hmm. preserving. You know, they did those things. Your mom kept those traditions up that she learned. Yeah. You know, she didn't eschew them. But her younger siblings all seem to eschew them. They don't do that. Except for Helen. I mean, she was the pie maker. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, But, I, you know, from yeah. what you've, you've said and what we've talked about, it seems like they've all just – gotten away from from yeah. that. you know obviously your mom at this point can't do those things that she wasn't you know she's preserving for her and and you know your dad which there's only two of them yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. uh but just that idea that they she kept it running and kept it going uh all the way through your childhood even in, you know as we we're adults and you know for many times when we would go and see them they would have preserves and they could take this take that you know have this you know and, and yeah. they never forgot it my mom on the other hand <laughs> Back away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, run for the hills. You know. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I remember your mom making a comment to me about how she had no idea why I was doing, I was canning something. It was, you know, early in my, very early in my canning career. And she kind of, I don't want to say she stuck her nose up because she wasn't being a jerk, but she was just like, why would you want to waste your time doing that? Right. And I couldn't verbalize it at the time exactly, you know, why, like what I, hindsight, I can look back and say, I wanted to do that because it really gave me a much deeper connection, not only with my own past and heritage and human past and heritage, but also with the land and the plants, the origins of the plants, the most basic nurturing creative energy that is expressed through all of the plants and the, you know, through the natural world. And that for me, a connection to that is really, really important. I need that to feel healthy and to be healthy. And I know that from that good health flows. So in making that connection and doing those simple arts of picking tomatoes, bringing them in, and drying them, you know, soaking them in olive oil and drying them for sun-dried tomatoes or canning them to use later in the year, I was also moving that energy through my family. So that deep healing energy that comes from the most deepest, darkest parts of Mother Earth, the most nurturing parts of Mother Earth, were moving through me into my family 
because of this simple act of me doing the canning myself. Mm -hmm. Even though, I mean, at times, many times, I wasn't the one growing the tomatoes. I went to the farmer's market and bought boxes of tomatoes to grow because I didn't have the talent, to be honest, to grow tomatoes that well. Right. But, you know, that it just felt deeply healing. Whereas taking even the most, you know, the nicest organic tomatoes off the shelf at the market and paying, handing over my money for them didn't feel nearly as healing to me. It didn't feel as closely connected to the earth. So, you know, now I can say that's why I was doing that. But back then, I was like, well, it's practical. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I, I didn't have good language for why I was doing what I was doing. And that's, I mean, even in reading Ashkenazi herbalism, it's another case where it's like, now I have some language for some of the things that I've known, but I could, I just try to move as much in those energies as I can, but I can't express in words why this might be important or that might be important. You know, I've been doing fermented foods on the counter for quite a while now. It feels very important to me to do that. Part of it, after reading this book, is clearly, you know, connection to Eastern European traditions. And, you know, after reading um, the the Obesity Code. Yeah, a part, book that was recommended part, by Don. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, after reading that, I'm like, oh, part of why I'm doing this is also that inherent knowledge that probiotics that come from fermenting foods on your counter are very important. And I know that would have been a very important thing to my family heritage. I remember my grandmother doing it. I remember many of my great aunts and uncles doing that. You know, my aunt with her dill pickles, I mean, those were fabulous. All of that. You know, my mom did some of that. Right. The vinegar is really, really yeah. important. It's a, and it's a part of our diet that we really don't do here anymore. Right. Vinegar, sours, yeah. and bitters have been removed from our the American diet en masse. I mean, right. not everywhere, but I mean, yeah, let's for just the say most the part. general general thing. I mean, you we don't, don't even put vinegar on our our French fries, which we should. Yeah, I mean, that's that, really yeah, good. Yeah, and the but, Brits do that, and yeah. other places do that. And, and now, I you know, after reading that book, I'm like, oh, that changes that's this, why. and that uh, yeah. handles the in, the glucose and the insulin. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. now I get it. Yeah, Same and thing if you're going to use ketchup, it should be more vinegary sour ketchup. It shouldn't be the super yeah. sweet candy ketchup that we get it's crap. from- yeah. Yeah. Homemade ketchup I mean, is much better because you don't have to put nearly that much sugar in it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And all the spices that you do, oh, yeah. it just makes it better. You know, and there are a few good ketchup companies out there that make a good ketchup. I mean, at least in know. our area. Yeah. We I mean, can get we, have, good. we have Portland Ketchup here, which they do a really good job of their ketchup. It's not, it's not sweet. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's more I mean, of the balanced tomato you know, the thing, flavor. The fact yeah. is, that tomatoes unto themselves have sweetness. You don't need to sit oh, there yeah. and add sugar to it. Right. Right. I hate that. I mean, yeah. every like, that's that sugar. That's that right. sugar. Right. Ugh. But anyway. It, it's a sidetrack. We, yeah, it is a Rabbit big sidetrack. <laughs> How do you know you're hitting the big time? When you see folks wearing your logo out and about. Ace High Graphics can help you get your logo out there with custom design apparel, like hats and hoodies and tees with custom bags and more. Ace High Graphics can do small runs as little as 10 items or hundreds to meet your needs will help you be seen no matter how large or small you are. Visit acehighgraphics.com today. But yeah, I mean, talking about the, the vinegar and all of that, it's like now I have language, but I've been doing it for a while because I knew it was the right thing to do. And 
even though certain individuals in the household may have balked a little bit at the idea at first, I know those same individuals are benefiting from the action I decided to take anyway. So it's a good thing that I'm kind of like, you know, well, you know, headed. Yeah. No, the thing, well, here's the thing. I, you know, it's like any time that you've done the, these things in the past, you know, we all look at you like, what is she doing? And, and you never do anything small. So no, you, know, you don't, you don't just say, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. You're like, it's not eight quarts it's, it's, of something. Yeah, it's, it's gonzo. 50 quarts it's gonzo on it. And, <laughs> and then we, if we don't, if it doesn't turn out, we, we're stuck with it. But oftentimes, you know, it does, but it takes a little bit getting used to. I mean, when you made your first, you know, when you really went back to it last year, I think last year was the first year that you did it. If I could correct me wrong. When you did your first pickles last year, yeah. you know, you and I had this thing. I was like, I don't know that I want to eat those. And because I was looking at the brine, I was looking at everything. I was like, I'm just oh, yeah. not comfortable. And you're like, no, these are fine. These, these are the way they should be. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. They got to be like this. And you said, well, that's that's a vinegarization. That's a different process. Yeah. You know, that's what we're all used to. Like go to a restaurant and you get a pickle spear. It's it's a vinegar style it's a pickle. Vinegar style pickle, which isn't necessarily no, bad. Nothing but, wrong with that. But, but there's an extra element that comes from countertop. Well, well yeah. Well, for for one, the probiotics mm-hmm. are gone. All of the yeah. natural ferment is gone on the know, vinegar, on vinegar style. Yeah. But on the other side, it isn't. And so last year, I was like, you know, it took me a few times to understand, and then you would share them, and I would keep eating them, and I'm like, suddenly I got to the point where I'm like. I really like these. And then like this year, you said, okay, I'm going to do it again. But you say, I'm, we're going to go to the farm stand and we're going to buy yeah. know, pickling cucumbers. Yeah, my my cucumbers did not grow this year for who knows what reason. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm going to the farm stand. So just we got them. them and you did it. And it was like, what, three or four days. And it's like, these are hella good. Yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, every time. Yeah, I, yeah I'll have a couple of those with dinner. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Which, again, helps you with all the stuff that you're dealing with, with, you know, the Sugars and stuff they're talking about, the yeah, vinegars. Yeah. Get your Good digestive, digestion. Yeah. digestive going and that's that's the thing. So yeah. kudos to you for keeping on that because yeah, you're really good. Thanks. You, you know. can thank my inner mule. I'm just going to do it. So stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it and eventually you're going to like it. <laughs> I still haven't fully convinced you that elderberry syrup is good for you. Mm. I like elderberry syrup. <laughs> well, then how come I still have a whole entire thing of it? It's not a whole entire thing. It's half. <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, time yeah. and place. I mean, I know. It, it's, sometimes it's hard. I mean, I like it in the winter more than I like it in the summer. Um, yeah. You know, I like yeah. I like you know, when when the mornings start to get cool and that, and I want that treat without having to have the straight up sugar. Yeah. You know, I will have that in my coffee. But you know, even then, it's like uh, there's not many things that I I eat that are really bitter. Right. And coffee's one of them. And yeah. I'm okay yeah. with its bitterness. Yeah. And so by by putting a sweetness in it, I cut that. And I was like, well, I need the bitter. I need the antioxidant. I need this stuff. I don't necessarily need yeah. the sugar that goes with this. Yeah, you've just given me a new challenge. Oh, great. Find more bitters to add to your diet. Well, no, I, I mean, <laughs> you're. I think, you know, we've talked about this, and I know we're segueing into different topics, but, you know, lettuces and salads used to be this idea. That's where you were going to get your, a lot of your bitters. That was yeah. going to be your pre- you know, digestive meal or yeah. food to get your, your, your body right to take on a steak and potatoes meal or whatever it was going to be. Right. High fat or whatever. And now when you look at the, you know, like, oh, you're going to have a salad before your dinner. And it's like, oh, yeah. So you have a salad. It's a, it's typically now this is, I'm not, I'm going to be very base. It's a basic, you know, iceberg thing with very a few, sweet yeah, lettuces. Very that have sweet very lettuces, bitter almost no them. bitter in them. Yeah. And then you have sweet vegetables. 
yeah. typically, and then you'll put on croutons, and then you'll add, you know, maybe a dressing on it, and a dressing is going to be sweet too. A lot of times, so, the dressings, yeah, yeah, you sweet. don't. So if you really want to say that you want a healthy salad, your your bitter should your salad, your lettuce should be choice lettuce that's really bitter. Choose arugula, choose these other things. Get some other herbs in there that it'll get the dandelion greens, for instance, and yeah. other things. Get those bitters going, and then choose a vinaigrette. Don't go yeah. with everything sweet. I mean, we're so inundated by sugar. There's so much sugar in our life. There's a place you can cut. That's easy. Yeah, it is pretty easy. You know? Yeah. So, anyway. I mean, it it isn't easy at first to get used to lower amounts of sugar. Oh, so, yeah. No, if you I mean, stop cold of, turkey, you're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. A lot of people, especially like when we were kids, we didn't want – we didn't want that bitter. It was overwhelming. Oh, yeah. You know, we think and of- small children don't necessarily need the same level of bitter that adults need. You know, giving your kid a mostly iceberg or Romano or romaine style lettuces for your salad and then just a little bit of radicchio or a few leaves of arugula in your kid's one just to get a little so they're comfortable with bitter, but they're not overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Would make sense. Then take just a little bit of romaine and a little bit of iceberg and a lot of reticchio or, or kale or other bitter stuff for the adults' meals. Mm-hmm. Then, then the kids don't need to have super sweet dressing to cover up the excessive bitter, which isn't even right for them anyway. And you as an adult can slowly reduce the amount of sweetness you put into your dressing until you get to just something that's a little bit more balanced. Right. And here's yeah. a little tip, kids, on mm-hmm. your um, kales and your your, your chards, any of those bitter greens. Uh, roll them up and cut them really, really thin strips, eighth inch strips. Oh, if yeah. you're really having an issue with bitter, because then you mix that in with your other greens. Yeah. And it it lessens the thing. I, I do not. I I would not recommend you know chopping up kale in the same way that you would chop up a romaine or right. a redhead. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, lettuce. You know, make that a lot finer. Yeah. It's easier to chew. It adds a little bit of bitter to the to the sweetness of the salad so that you got a little – it's a little nicer than just big chunks of, of, of kale. Yes, and that's actually <laughs> – that's an excellent way to add sour into your diet too. So when I first started adding um, – making kimchi and sauerkraut, I was the only one eating them. So the end of the kimchi or the sauerkraut, especially the sauerkraut, when you get to the last, you know – Last three or four servings of it, it can be pretty heck of sour. Uh, really, really sour. And I don't. It's, it's funny watching Candace Pucker. I do not. Yeah. I do not really like sour. I have to admit, I'm not a big sour fan. Yeah, she Mild eats until sour it gets to okay. a point, and then she's like, ah, no. So done. So <laughs> the way that I dealt with that was that I started mixing my, you know, serving of sour, sauerkraut into my salad. Right. And because you get it mixed up with everything else and then covered with a little bit of vinaigrette dressing, it helps take the edge off of that excessively sour. Yeah, it does. And ultimately, it's still healthy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's another way that if you're not used to or comfortable with sour, you can add it into your salad and it'll cover up the sour a bit. It, it it will. And I'm just thinking about how far did we get from where we started? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, I mean, you know, the fact is, is that we're foodies. I mean, if you look at yeah. us, you look at our kitchen, you look at what we do, we we do eat a lot and we eat a lot of different things and we try different things and we cook different things. So when we get onto food, we just get a little bit passionate about it. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about as after talking with Dietra and Adam was how – 
the cross currents of Eastern European medicine um, then in in you know the time that right. the time frame they were talking about how the the people as a whole they had different religious or cultural practices in the rest of their lives but when it came to health they came together mm-hmm. and people from community from various parts of the communities all kind of saw the same groups of healers. So you didn't say, oh, can I go see the Jewish doctor? You just said, I'm going to go see the doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what ended up happening for the medical practices then and the herbal practices then was they were influenced by a wide variety of different cultures and traditions and different systems. So, you know, someone who was a practitioner in you know who is an Ashkenazi practitioner, for instance, would have been aware of some of the elements of Ayurveda, would have been aware of some of the elements of Unami Tib mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know TCM or right. whatever, as well as some of the elements of Western European practice. You know, all of those things kind of came together, so it was like a giant melting pot of medical knowledge, and they all took the parts that made sense and worked with them worked, used those parts to make, to help their own communities or help their people. Right. And one of the things about that that resonated, I guess you could say for me, was that here in America, we very much have that in the herbalism community, that we have influences coming from many, many directions. We have access to understanding many systems you know, just because I'm a white girl of, you know, a white American girl with Polish and Eastern European ancestors doesn't mean I don't get to also understand traditional Chinese medicine. I have access to that, to teachers, and to understanding and learning that system. And I'm not prohibited from using those concepts in my own practice. Right. You know, and it's like we have a huge variety of practices and they aren't all just, you know, the big Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine and traditional Western. We also have, you know, pieces of wisdom from Native Americans. Mm-hmm. We have access to some of the Latin American and, you know, South and, and Central American traditions and that those influences flowing through our many herbalists, you know, there's just so many that we have. Right. So that I thought was that was some, one of the places where I was like, I can really understand what that must have been like to live in Eastern European practicing medicine at that time in a way. Yeah. Because we have that here now. And especially as herbalists. Oh, and we also have access to modern medicine. And we're allowed to also know about that and learn about that too. So that I thought was really a powerful aspect of modern herbal practice. Mm-hmm. And I expect that it's not just here in America that that's the case for modern herbalism. I think that extends well beyond our borders. Yeah. You, you have nothing to say about that. Well, it's just a lot to unpack there. I mean, there's a lot to think about. I mean, when you stay, when you, a lot of times you'll go on and you'll, you have these long <sighs> thought drawn out pieces and, you know, I'm still on point four of point 10 that you made <laughs> and I'm trying to process it. And I'm over here and I might've missed this back part. I'm like, uh, Okay, she's going to leave it. She's going to throw it at me, and I'm going to be whiffed with my tennis racket because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to have anything. So I'm trying to think about what I, you know, how I can, how we can, you know, 
come back and participate with that. Like, uh, 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 you know, so, uh, but I, I think you made some very valid points there. So. I think one of the things that at least here in American practice that we don't necessarily have as much of is that, is that feeling of real community, you know, like, you know, going back to the, the Babas and their, you know, yeah. their children and grandchildren and yeah. the connections that they made and the fact that, you know, she delivered this baby who's of a different religion, but it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't, it's not the religious practice that was the important part of that. It was the birthing practice right, right. and the connection that was made there. So there was more capacity for community moving cross-culturally, I think. Yeah. You know, than what it seems like, at least assuming I understood that practice but, I mean, overall, it seemed like they had a community, a sense of community, that at least with regard to health care, you erase the boundaries and just focus on the health. Right. Don't worry about how the people's philosophies and, you know, belief systems might be. That's kind of irrelevant. The more important part is we're focusing on health mm -hmm. and how do we help each other. And I think in America, we don't have as much of that erasing of boundaries. I mean, we have so many strong, strong boundaries around like socio socioeconomic boundaries. And we don't seem to want to erase them. We want to hold on to those, right. which then, you know, divides our communities. Right. Yeah. And I don't see how, I don't see what or how that will make it, how it will change. I don't know. I think that we need to, I mean, that's just the whole question of vaccinate or not vaccinate is a really potent illustration of exactly that, that, you know, there's this huge division. Yeah. And instead of focusing on the important part, which is health for everybody, it's a focus on religious and political belief systems. And then it's causing harm to the community. It's dividing the community's health. That and is that's, true. That's, you know, yeah. I think that's a, a a serious disease that America has that I don't know that the Ashkenazi peoples had until the enlightenment happened and started that, that whole scientific only science only movement started to happen. And that was part of the destructive nature. Right. So we can look at that and say, you know, you start dividing, this is what will happen. That's what happened to them and many other civilizations that have risen and fallen ancient civilizations, why would it not happen to us too? Right. Of right. course it will happen to us, you know? Yeah. Whew, lot to think about there. Yeah. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Candace. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, so, yeah, that's a lot to think about, I suppose. So with that, I guess, put an, put herb, an herb, herb on, on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials 
questions or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.